Hello, my name is Wendy Myers. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Live to 110 podcast. You can learn more about me at livetoone110.com where I try to teach you the right type of diet to eat, the best supplements to take, and the importance of customizing supplements to your body chemistry, and most importantly, detoxing your body. It's that missing piece of the puzzle that most people leave out of their health regimen. So I'm trying to teach everyone, you've got to assist your toxic metals and chemicals in your body and detox them slowly and safely. That's exactly what I do with my Mineral Power program, which you can learn more about at mineralpower.com. Today, we have a very important topic on the Live to 110 podcast, very close to my heart. It's called homeoprophylaxis. This is an alternative to vaccinations to you know teach the body a proper immune response when exposed to disease. This is very cutting edge, very new, but very you know well researched in the clinical in clinical studies. And so we're going to be talking about you know the benefits of it, where you can get it, where you can learn more about it at the 2016 homeoprophylaxis conference and some of the dangers of vaccines. But before we get started, please keep in mind that this program, the Live to 110 podcast, is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in anything that we suggest today on the show. Our guest today, Scylla Watcott, holds a BA degree from Arizona State University, a diploma from the four-year professional program at Northwestern Academy of Homeopathy in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and a PhD in homeopathy. She's an instructor at Normandale Community College and the author of There Is a Choice, Homeoprophylaxis, and co-author of The Solution, Homeoprophylaxis. Scylla has published articles in Pathways Magazine, Homeopathic Links, Organic Lifestyle Magazine, Holistic Moms Magazine, Natural Health 365, Green Med Info, Fearless Parent, Healthy Home Economist, and the uh, Weston A. Price Foundation's Wise Traditions. Scylla has over 1,000 hours of postgraduate education, including certification as a cease therapist for reversing vaccine injury. She is the director of Worldwide Choice, an organization familiarizing medically licensed providers to homeoprophylaxis. She offers homeoprophylaxis programs for travel or in place of childhood vaccinations. Scylla has been a guest lecturer in France, Spain, Scotland, Ireland, Indonesia, the U.S., and Canada. She has organized and directed international conferences about homeoprophylaxis with leading researchers from around around the world. As a mother to two children adopted, or sorry, as a mother to children adopted from Russia, Taiwan, and China, and one biological child, her deepest desire is to help mothers and children everywhere. Scylla, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Wendy, for having me. Why don't you tell the listeners a little about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, I came to this work by way of my children, actually. My youngest daughter, who was adopted from China, had a vaccine injury. And I did my research and, and recognized that it had been caused by a vaccination and went to the pediatrician sharing my uh, discovery. And the pediatrician denied 
uh, everything that I was saying. And I realized that it was up to me to protect my children. So I then started researching and that was about 20 years ago. And in my research, I first explored vaccines themselves, the ingredients, the testing that had and had not been done. But then I bumped into homeoprophylaxis, which is a subset of homeopathy, which provides education to the immune system against infectious disease. And I realized this is a solution. <clears throat> Excuse me. This, this is absolutely what can work for people. It's safe. There's never been any injuries, any deaths from it, and it's highly effective and has been uh, researched throughout the world, utilized very much throughout the world. Yeah, so I, mean, yeah I mean, sure. homeopathy is recognized, it's paid for by the Swiss government because it's a uh, recognized as safe and effective, and the, their government pays for it. Their medical system pays for it. Exactly. So homeopathy is proven to work. Um, so why don't we talk about a bit about the vaccine debate, and in your opinion, if you believe vaccines, um, you know, are to be, are harmful. Well, I think that the intention of vaccines started out correctly. You know, the the concept of taking a small dose of the actual disease to provide immunity to that disease is an accurate perspective, but it's gone astray quite a bit. Um, Basically, when we expose ourselves to these diseases in the environment, we develop natural immunity. So it's Mother Nature's way of creating immunity in the individual, and it's part of our development. Now, some people are strong enough to withstand the natural disease, and others are not strong enough to withstand the natural disease. So along come vaccines, which were basically a, a product of uh, cowpox initially and the experiments by Edward Jenner with cowpox and, and milkmaids putting the pus from cowpox into a, a cut on their own skin, providing them some immunity. But since that time, things have become much more complex and convoluted. And I think that one of the major issues with vaccines is the number of vaccines children are receiving when I was a child in the 1960s, I received four diseases, diphtheria, pertussis, tetanus, and polio. And that was it for my whole childhood. Now there are 39 doses of diseases recommended before the age of one. And if you take all the recommended doses of flu shots and HPV and everything, it comes to about 60 doses by the time children are 18. So the sheer volume places uh, a burden on the naturally developing immune system, and that's one of the major issues. And then the additives, having different chemicals in these vaccines that are intended to cross the blood-brain barrier, which is a protective barrier set up in infants for a reason, to protect that developing brain. So when you use additives like polysorbate 80 or aluminum or any other heavy metal, they're going to go to the brain and wreak havoc. So when you ask if, you know, vaccines cause any kind of um, damage to the system, I would say it's, it's many things surrounding how vaccines are administered and the ingredients in vaccines. The concept is a sound concept, but it's gone overboard. Yeah, I mean, my biggest problem with this uh, vaccine schedule where there's six, almost 60 vaccines before the age of 18, where is the scientific testing? 
where are there double blind studies that show that this vaccine schedule that's being mandated in my state of California and in two other states currently, where's the proof to show that this is safe? Right. And there is none. There, there really is none. So that's a big concern. And I think parents are standing up and speaking out in, in a way that ultimately will make change. Now, I don't know how long it will take, but I know if I know mothers like I think I know mothers, they're not going to line their children up for more vaccines if they've had a vaccine damaged child. Yeah. So it's simply a, a grassroots movement that will move forward. Yeah. And, and my, my concern here is that, you know, there's a new bill that just got passed in California called SB 277. And, you know, this bill mandates that all children going to school, public or private, much must have these 60 vaccines. Um, if they are to enter in school. And so I'm faced with the fact that, you know, I have a vaccine injured child. My daughter uh, received, you know, I, gave her a few vaccines before the age of 18 months. She did the MMR vaccine. And after that, you know, she had 50 words by the time she was one years old and then no progress at all from two to three years old. She spoke two word sentences until she was three. Meanwhile, other children, my friend's children, they were just talking away you know, having full on conversations. And so I considered her to be vaccine injured because there was no other logical explanation for that happening that regression in her language. And so now I'm faced with uh, my child mandatorily has to be vaccinated. And if I, I'm going to try to get a medical exemption from her pediatrician, which I'm praying that that will happen. But if it doesn't, she's going to have to be homeschooled because okay. there's no way that she could catch up uh, with that vaccination, vaccination schedule and time. Not that I would e even do that. Um, right. I would never vaccinate my child. Um, but, uh, there, there's, she'll have to be homeschooled if I can't get the medical exemption. And it's, it's sad. Well, there are some physicians in California who are coaching parents about medical exemptions. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with some of these individuals? I can mention one physician who's mm. in Sacramento. Yes. That'd be great. Uh, Kelly Sutton. Mm -hmm. And I believe her practice is called Raphael Medicine. And she has an entire program teaching parents how you can obtain a medical exemption. Oh, wow. I was not aware of that. So I'm, I'm happy we did this podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Contact Kelly. Um, the other thing, you know, we're hoping that homeoprophylaxis, which we're going to get into, will be a, a substitute that will be accepted. And Part of my goal is to teach physicians enough so they feel confident recommending HP or homeoprophylaxis, and in doing so, they would then be willing to check the box saying the child had been immunized. Mm -hmm. So that's a goal, and you know, part of my work is basically having these conferences, writing books, and giving information to both parents and medical practitioners so they can become familiarized and comfortable, confident with HP. Yes. Yeah. So let's get into that. Let, let's get into what you do, the homeoprophylaxis. Um, this is an alternative to conventional vaccinations. So can you tell us a little about that? Sure. It's a method to educate the immune system. And by that, what I mean is we take, we take a material, either animal, mineral, or vegetable material, or a disease product, and dilute it 
so that there's no longer any original molecules in that substance and it becomes a highly dilute substance. So in vaccinology, this is called attenuation when they weaken some strain of a disease. But in, in homeoprophylaxis, it's weakened beyond any molecules in it. So it cannot cause the disease, it cannot do harm, it cannot create any damage. What you have is the frequency of the disease. So it's energetic medicine. You take that frequency, you anoint a um, sugar pellet, basically. So then it's administered by mouth, and that's where Mother Nature is accustomed to transmitting disease to us by touching mucous membrane. And our first immune um, signaling begins in mucous membrane. So you take one disease at a time, it goes into the mouth, and what happens, it satisfies any susceptibility the child, the individual has to that particular disease so that they can start to educate their immune system. If they meet the disease in nature, either they repel the disease or they immediately build an appropriate immune response to the, to the disease to be able to overcome the disease. So that being said, no method is 100% effective, not vaccines, not HP, no method is 100% effective. But what we're seeing with HP is that those children positively exposed to the diseases, there's about a 90% effectiveness rate of repelling the disease. If the child were to contract the disease, it would be a milder case. Their system would be able to mount an immune response and overcome the disease. Yeah. So that's the short, short story. There are no additives. There are no adjuvants to try and create antibodies in the system. There's nothing that crosses the blood brain barrier. Um, we, it, it respects all organisms because really we live in concert with many bacteria, viruses, parasites. Our bodies are uh, 10 to 1, these other cells. So trying to kill them or repel them, all of these uh, images about war against disease are really not appropriate in a conscious society. We need to live with these germs in a way that helps us to be educated and not succumb to them, if that makes sense. Yeah, because we, we can't eradicate disease. I mean, we can lower our uh, chance of getting it. I mean, uh, and that's the problem with a lot of the debate with the vaccines is people think that if everyone's vaccinated, that there's this herd immunity and no one's going to get it. But the reality is that, say, we had a whooping cough outbreak in California, the majority of children that contracted it were partially or fully vaccinated from whooping right. cough. Can you sure. talk a little about that? Yeah, viruses morph. They find a way. They're a life form. And like you said, we can't just eradicate other life forms. That doesn't make any sense. So as they morph and find a way, children catch these other forms like paraprotesis B and one pertussis vaccine does not protect against all of those forms, that mutated forms. So with HP or homeoprophylaxis, because it's the principle of like treating like, if the symptom picture is similar, it still protects. So it doesn't matter if the virus morphs and changes, the same HP dose still protects and educates against that particular virus. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I love this talking about this topic because, you know, people really need to wake up and open their eyes that just because you get vaccinated does not mean your child is 100% protected. There's right. no such thing as herd immunity, which is the goal of these mandatory vaccination laws is, hey, if everyone's vaccinated, then we're going to con- completely eradicate it. And, you know, the unvaccinated children are going to, you know, potentially infect the the vaccinated children. It just that just doesn't exist. That is a, a fallacy right. um, that people maybe just you know take that as as fact when they really have not researched it at all. Right, right, exactly. You know, there's lots we could say about vaccines, but I'd much rather talk about the solution. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So let's talk more about uh, you're having a conference, um, a 2016 Homeo conference in St. Pete, Florida. Can you talk right. about that where you're going to be educating people about the solution? Sure. The conference is for parents, caregivers, it's also for practitioners, anyone interested in understanding more about HP. And the keynote speaker will be Tetiana Obukanich. She's the PhD immunologist who I believe spoke to the legislature in, in California during the, when the bill was being passed. Um, Tetiana is very educated. She's a wonderful speaker. And she's going to talk about how homeoprophylaxis may work within the system. We'll have Sally Fallon Morrell, the head of Weston A. Price Foundation, and she's going to talk about uh, nutrition and immunity. So the gist of the conference is looking at all the ways that natural immunity support the system and how HP is compatible with all those ways and becomes a natural way to support the system. So Sally will be talking about nutrition. We have uh, Ronald Whitmont, who's an MD and also a homeopath, talking about the gut biome and how balancing the gut biome supports uh, immunity. We have Dr. Charles uh, Gant, who's talking about um, understanding the genetic picture to know if your child is susceptible to vaccine injury based on their genome. We're going to have uh, two doctors from India who are talking about the studies with Japanese encephalitis, where HP was used with about 20 million people, and the Indian government, as a result, has authorized HP to be a viable substitute for vaccination because it was so successful. We'll have Deborah Gambrell. She's an osteopath from there in California, and she's going to talk about some of the things that she's seen. She's also a pediatric anesthesiologist. She had some interesting observations about those children who are fully vaccinated compared to those children who are not fully vaccinated coming out of anesthesia. We have uh, Peter DeVette, who's going to talk about the emotions and immunity. What is fear? What does trauma do to our immune system? And perhaps some of the campaign regarding vaccines really try to utilize fear in order to encourage people. We have Isaac Golden, who's a doctor from Australia, who did a 15-year study with 3,500 children with all the childhood diseases and homeoprophylaxis. And he's the one that found um, uh, 90% effectiveness rate. He'll also talk about what's current in HP studies around the world. And then I'll be speaking of about all the applications of HP for travel, for epidemics, for children, how to access it. I'll be doing a training for professionals while we're there. Um, 
I think that's about everything. It'll be really full. It'll be three days in October, the 7th through the 9th in St. Pete at a beautiful location there. Um, and people can just go to worldwidechoice.org slash conference. Okay. And that's where they can register or find more information. So talk to us about how uh, HP or homeoprophylaxis is different than conventional vaccination. Okay, it's the same in its uh, intention to reduce disease. It's different in that it's educating the system instead of manipulating the system. So with vaccines, you have it contained in the vaccine something called an adjuvant. And an adjuvant is intended to push the inflammatory arm of the immune system to make antibodies with the assumption that antibodies are the gold standard of immunity. So we know that some people are very high responders. They make a lot of antibodies. Some people are low responders. They don't make as many. And some people are non-responders. You can give them three, four hepatitis B vaccines. They're not going to make any antibodies. So we already know this. And we also know that there are people with no antibodies who don't contract a disease. So they have some sort of natural protection. So this is a big issue in terms of what we have held as the gold standard. And there's a discrepancy, a disagreement within the community of immunologists. Some say it's the Th2 arm of the immune system that makes antibodies. And some say it's the Th1 arm, which is the innate the natural cell-mediated immunity. So HP addresses the innate arm of immunity. So it's cell-mediated, it's general immunity, and it does not focus on the inflammatory arm, which is what vaccines focus on. Vaccines are injected directly into the bloodstream through a needle. That's not the way Mother Nature gives us disease. Mother Nature comes in through the front door of the mouth, the nose, the eyes, touching music, mucous membrane. So HP is similar in that it's a pellet taken by mouth. So that's, that's a big difference. The other difference is HP is given one disease at a time. In nature, we catch one disease and then the body resolves that 10 to 14 days, build natural immunity and you go forward. So when you flood the system with eight diseases at once, which is what children receive at two months and four months, eight different diseases, creates a bit of confusion. The body tries to uh, organize that and detox, and it'll use the path of least resistance. So a child might get a runny nose, they might get diarrhea, they might get an ear infection, and a mom might bring that child back to the pediatrician and say, you know, he just had his vaccines two weeks ago, but he's sick. And the doctor will not identify any relationship whatsoever and perhaps give the child an antibiotic to suppress the system from making that discharge. And you're setting up kind of a um, feedback loop of uh, suppressing the symptoms and then the child gets sick again, suppressing the symptoms, the child gets sick again. Then at the next well child visit, they're told they need all their vaccines so you're just setting up this process where the body's desperately trying to regulate itself and can't do so. So over time, it goes deeper and deeper, and you see developmental delays or chronic illness, asthma. We see tons of asthma and ear infections. So with HP, one disease. One disease, the body can uh, resolve it on its own and then move forward. So that's a huge difference. 
Um, so by mouth, we covered that um, one disease at a time, uh, a higher attenuation. We dilute it so there's no original molecules of the disease. So there's no chance you're going to get sick. There's no chance you're going to spread the disease or shed the disease. It's, it's very, very highly attenuated or diluted. So that makes it a lot safer. Uh, it educates the uh, innate arm of the immune system. So that's a difference. And the last but not least is the respect that it has for all organisms. So it has a mindset that we live with these organisms. Eradicating other organisms is not the goal. How do we live with them and maintain our health? So that's definitely a difference. And so what do the studies tell us on the, the effectiveness of the HP, the homeoprophylaxis? Mm-hmm. Pro- yep, yep. So number of studies have been done in other countries, uh, not in the U.S. In Cuba, with 2 million people, they have um, in d- epidemic leptospirosis in in the late summer early fall leptospirosis is a bacterial disease that during months uh during hurricanes and rainy season uh in the flooded fields you have this spirochete and people walk barefoot it will get into the system and very very high fatality rate from leptospirosis so the cuban government vaccinates the entire population every year for leptospirosis in 2007, 2008, they had multiple hurricanes come through and they could not roll out this vaccine quickly enough and in time. So that's the first time they uh, engaged in creating homeoprophylaxis and giving it to 2 million people in one section of Cuba. They dropped the incidence of leptospirosis by 84% in that region. And it was quite amazing because in every other region, the incident went up and they proceeded to continue to to use uh, homeoprophylaxis for leptospirosis. Cuba went on to do investigations with dengue fever, hepatitis, uh, diarrheal diseases, a number of different diseases with great success. Uh, In Brazil, they did a study with meningitis. So they gave the HP, the homeoprophylaxis for meningitis, and they had a 95% effectiveness rate of uh, children not contracting uh, meningitis. In uh, uh, India, they did Japanese encephalitis, which I mentioned earlier, huge, huge, wide-scale study, and I'm interested in hearing some, some more of the details when these two doctors come out from India, because they'll one of them was very much in charge of rolling out that program. So that's another another great program. Now, many of these studies are observational. They give them to the people. A double-blind study is when you give placebo to one group and you give the actual material to another group. And with these, they've been done during epidemics. So you're not going to give a placebo during an epidemic. Yeah. You want to reduce the ep- epidemic. So... They did do one double-blind placebo-controlled study with the flu, influenza, in South America, and uh, that one showed very high uh, percent of effectiveness. And the notable thing about that is that there were no side effects whatsoever from HP with uh, 
influenza. So that was a, a nice study as well. Um, can you talk a little about uh, no, where we can get homeoprophylaxis? I want to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So there are a few people trained in it. Um, a lot of people come to me. I, I work with families all over the world because it's basically self-administered. We meet by Skype and uh, go through some questions, and then I send a kit, I send a booklet where they can track everything, and we have an instructional meeting, consultation, where I train them how to give the remedies, uh, what the schedule is, and then I provide support for the duration of the program. So the program for children is about three years, and that support would include emails, phone calls, you know, if they have questions, if they have concerns, if they don't understand something. And most parents absolutely love the program because it empowers them and they see their child's immune system working and they see how vibrant their general health is. So people can contact me through homeopath2 at comcast.net or they can go through the website, which is worldwidechoice.org and, and contact me. There's also an organization called freeandhealthychildren.org, and I was the co-founder of that nonprofit organization, and we trained homeopaths. So there are homeopaths all over the world who are doing HP, and they can be located on that site with a drop-down menu state by state. So is there a homeoprophylaxis um, for every vaccine uh, that's out? For for almost every disease, yeah. they're for the diseases because we're using the disease material mostly. Um, for instance, HPV, you know, the Gardasil vaccine. Mm-hmm. HPV is something we all naturally carry. It's part of our genome in a way. Trying to eradicate that is not wise mm-hmm. because what they're finding is that there's over a hundred strains of HPV and there's only a few of them that lead to cervical cancer. Those people who have gotten the HPV vaccine, they're finding that other strains are starting to proliferate and become more dangerous. So I call it messing with mother nature. It's not a good idea. So we don't have any kind of HP for homeoprophylaxis for HPV because it doesn't make any sense to try and protect from something that we naturally have. And most healthy people with a good immune system clear it within two years. 90% of people clear it when they have it. So it really doesn't make sense to be vaccinating. Yeah. And you just need to get a pap smear every few years. Exactly. And you, you prevent it. You prevent cervical exactly. cancer, which most women are doing. Um, yeah. So that, that completely makes sense because the problem is doing all these vaccines uh, the typical vaccination vaccination schedule is like taking antibiotics, you know, where if you um, vaccinate against a one single strain, you you get uh, either a more virulent uh, strain or you get a new strain that becomes problematic. And um, explain how HP circumvents that. You touched on it a little bit, but just let's go over that again. Yeah, because HP is based on the homeopathic principle of like treating like, it addresses mutations. And if something has a similar symptom picture, the same HP will work for it. So it's not about the diagnosis or the species. It's about the symptom picture. So if you have parapertussis compared to pertussis, they both have the cough 
it's they're very similar pictures. So HP is going to work against both. Influenzinum, similarly, you know, it's made in a couple different ways. You can purchase Influenzinum on a lot of websites that are keyed to this year's supposed strain of influenza. Or you can order a broad-based Influenzinum that I like to give my patients that covers all the historical flus and all a lot of the remedies that treated those historical flus. So it's very broad, and I feel that that gives much better cover- coverage than just looking at one-year strain. Yeah, the flu vaccine makes no sense to me because they, they try to guess at the strain that's coming out, and it typically uh, does not provide any protection whatsoever if the strain that actually you know emerges is not the strain in the vaccine. So and a lot of people get sick from the flu vaccine as well. They actually develop the flu from getting the vaccine. Well, Wendy, what the studies show, and I have double-blind you know studies that are published to show that when you increase the um, antibodies to a certain strain, you've compromised the innate system against other strains. So those people who have increased antibodies for strain A have decreased immunity to strains B, C, D, E, F, all the others. So they tend to get sick more often. Mm-hmm. And that's that bears out in the studies. So the Cochrane Collaboration, which is a database of studies, highly respected, has shown us that under the age of two, the flu vaccine is no better than placebo. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't work at all. So, and I've, I've personally met people who have contracted Guillain-Barre, um, different neurological diseases. Blaylock, Dr. Blaylock, who's a neurosurgeon, has information out about vaccines over the age of 50 because our immune systems are compromised. They're not as robust after the age of 50. And when you give vaccines, there's certain risks involved. Uh, Dr. Blaylock, Russell Blaylock, also has a great article out about vaccines during brain development. So that's a really interesting study as well, showing us that when that brain's developing, it's a very tenuous time that you don't want to impact it with toxins as well. Yeah. And that leads me to my next question is the toxic metals that are currently in vaccines cause their own whole host of problems. Because, for instance, my daughter received a number of vaccines prior to 18 months and they have aluminum in them. And right. aluminum is a very potent neurotoxin. They used to use mercury. They still do. They still still use mercury in the large, you know, hospital vials. If you're going to the drugstore, they have the three hundred all three hundred, um, you know, servings or three hundred yeah. vaccinations in a large bottle. Those will still contain thimerosal, or which contains mercury. Um, can you talk a little about the metals that are used in typical vaccines and their problems, you know, inherent in those? Yeah, um, when they reduced thimerosal in the vaccines, they doubled the amount of aluminum. And now they're seeing that aluminum has this toxic effect, that it goes to the brain. When there there's a certain, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, when you...
You still there? Yes, Sorry. yes. <laughs> yeah, let's start over again. So, so now so, they've uh, they reduced mercury in the vaccine, so they, they double doubled. the amount of aluminum. Yeah. So there's a synergistic effect when you add more than one component. You can take you can separate one component out, and it might not cause harm. But if you add it to other components, it can cause greater harm. It's a synergistic effect. So when you add aluminum to these vaccines and you have something like polysorbate 80 that passes the, it's a surfactant. So a surfactant is like in soaps that make them slippery and a surfactant opens up that blood brain barrier so that the things can travel to the brain. So the aluminum can go to the brain and cause further damage. So, you know, generally, do you want toxic metals in your body? I mean, this seems like a very logical no-brainer type concept, but this is what's happening, you know, in in the field. Yeah, and they have to use this aluminum or mercury as an adjuvant to like irritate the immune system to get it to make the antibodies. That's why they're in the vaccine. Correct. Correct. Yes, and so... Um, I have a question I like to ask all of my guests. Uh, what do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? Um, I think it's the lack of respect for the natural order. You know, I, I think it's very, very broad. It's we look at antibiotics, we look at vaccines, we look at managed health care, we look at cancer treatment. Things have become so far from the natural order of things. Human beings are designed to heal themselves. That, that's our birthright. Cells regenerate. We completely regenerate all of our cells at different rates of speed. And given the support we need, it's entirely possible to be healthy um, organisms, so when you load an organism with toxicity, both emotional, physical, chemical, all the types of toxic things we're exposed to in our world, you compromise the immune system. So, you know, I, I think the biggest health concern is more of a broad reaching perspective that we've lost sight of the natural order. We, we Our thinking has become skewed in a way. And if we go back to some natural things that work, then we can see results from that. Mm. So, you know, medicine, I have to say that emergency medicine is wonderful. If I'm hit by a car and my arm is hanging off, I want an ER doc. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Emergency medicine is fabulous and, the, and how far it's come is wonderful. But medicine does not treat chronic disease. So... That's what we have to look at. Are we creating more chronic disease? And if so, how do we address that Yeah, effectively? Yeah, that's a wonderful point because absolutely when people are getting treated for heart disease and diabetes and the high cholesterol and high blood pressure, the treatments are making them sicker and creating other diseases. Exactly. And yeah. so many patients that come to me, Wendy, they're so frustrated because they have a problem and they've been chopped into pieces. Oh, the, you know, their doctor says, nothing's wrong here. I'm going to send you to this specialist. And that specialist says, no, nothing's wrong in this system. I'm going to send you to this specialist. Pretty soon this person is chasing their tail, going to all these specialists, and they just want to be heard. 
You know, they just want to be heard and seen as a complete person. And, you know, think about the old country doctor that came to the house, knew the whole family, listened to the whole family. And while he didn't have the technology we have today, he had something that's missing today with managed care and computerized medicine. So... Yeah, that personal touch and listening. That's what my clients want. They want someone to listen to them, listen to their problems that, you know, the doctors in and out, you know, the HMOs, the people. Right. Oh, and you're a nutritionist, right, Wendy? Yeah, I'm a functional diagnostic nutritionist. I specialize in detox. So that's kind of what I do is detox toxic metals. Nice. Yeah. And that's something that's um, seriously uh, missing from uh, conventional medical education they really don't have any understanding of nutrition at all or detoxification. Kidney specialists are probably, you know, the nephrologists. They have the best understanding because the kidneys are detox organ. So they have a little bit of an understanding of detoxification. But some of the other uh, specialties, they, they're not able to really address that. Yeah, and that's one of the, the issues is that a lot of people's chronic health issues, they're caused by malnutrition and metal toxicities. A lot of these metal toxicities, every every health condition has an underlying metal toxicity that's contributing to it. Uh, the more I research, the more I learn. It's just astounding uh, to me. And I know that toxic metals were instrumental in my own health issues and as well as my clients as well. Um, so thank you for that insight. I, I love everything that you talked about there. Um, so why don't you tell the listeners where they can learn more about you and more about what you do in homeoprophylaxis? Sure. They can go to one of two websites. One of them is familyhomeopathycare.com, and that's my private practice. The other one is worldwidechoice.org, and that's about homeoprophylaxis, either of those. And then the conference coming up is on that Worldwide Choice site slash conference there's a tab for the conference there and they can get on a mailing list there and i'll send them information and um i'd love to have them attend the conference i know it's a long way from california mm -hmm. but it's it was a wonderful group last year there were about 130 40 people it was in dallas everyone raved because the camaraderie with the group everyone was on the same page and the speakers were so supportive and um information, you know, was just abounding there. So yep, that's how they can check it out. All right, great. Well, thank you so much. And listeners, if you want to learn more uh, about detoxification, the importance of that, you can go to mineralpower.com or my website, livetoone110.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. Thanks, Wendy.